Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Hello and welcome to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. I'm Veronica Cruz. Hello, Veronica. Hi. This is Omar on this side, and this is a special parenting series, The Struggle is Real. And it is real. Today's discussion is everyone loves a good story. So yes, we'll be talking about good stories. I love a good story as well. We'll be also, aside from that, sharing tips from The Struggle is Real to help us millennial parents motivate our children. And for that, we've invited a panel of special guests who will be sharing their expertise and personal stories about the relationship they have as parents with their kids. So listen up. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our invited guest today, our panel, Dr. Alicia Laos, clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges. Aside from her, we'd also like to welcome Lisette Cardona, parent of three kids. Thank you. <laughs> welcome all. Now, through different skits, we're going to be listening to scenarios between parents and their children, and then we will have the chance to discuss So why don't we go ahead and start with the first one? Let's listen to this. I don't want to read. Of course you do. Reading is great. It makes the world go round. I watch TV. No, you've watched enough TV today. (laughs) Now which one of these looks good? We've got the one about the bears, the one about the cats, or the one about the mice. How about this one? It looks a little more challenging. I want a Johnny Swift book. What's a Johnny Swift book? You have them at school. The pictures are awesome. Well, I'll have to get some of those for you. In the meantime, these are the books we got. What's the meantime mean? The meantime means for now. It's an expression. As in, in the meantime, it's bedtime. And at bedtime, we read. Why? Because it's what we do. Why? So we can fall asleep. Why? So we aren't tired tomorrow. Why? Because you're exhausting. Now let's read. Why? And here we go. Page one. What's this say? Why? Because I said so. Page one. Stop. Okay. You can read with me or you can go to bed. Your choice. Go away. You want to go to bed? I want you to go away. All right then. It's bedtime. Say goodnight. No. Or we could keep reading together and you could relax. I never get to do what I want. You do what you want all the time. Shut up. You don't talk to me like that. Go away. Fine. Good night. I'll see you in the morning. Well, that went south very quick. So this is the scenario. Dad wants to read a story to his son, who's about six years old or less. But the son isn't interested, so he keeps asking why. Dad got very annoyed and answers because he says so and gives him an ultimatum. Read or go to sleep. Um, I think this is a mistake that a lot of parents commit sometimes because obviously we're talking in the later part of the day and some parents are tired, the energy levels are very low. Dr. Alicia, can you decipher exactly what just happened? Oh, the parent just got so frustrated. I I could just relate so many times and I wonder how many parents relate to that where either the kid just incessantly perseveres in asking questions one after another and you just are crazy, you're exhausted, you're tired and you just, because I said so. I heard that so many times when I grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they just know how to press and press and the parent obviously is trying to do what he thinks is best and just says, forget it. Kids test our boundaries and parents get frustrated and the question is in here, um, whether it's this scenario or whatever scenario that you may feel like wanting to say I said so, Is there another way of handling it? Is it going to work? It ended south. And you know what's going to happen with that six-year-old. He's going to get up and say, now I want water. And, you know, he's not Mm going to go to sleep. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to keep going endlessly. There are situations that, yes, we need to enforce boundaries and be pretty firm, especially when kids are just really tenacious and they don't want to let up. 
But sometimes we also just have to take the time to explain the reason behind why the rule is established. And when we just say, because I said so, we close it off and they they don't have a Mm buy-in. And so they keep pressing on. And so when they ask why, 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 that's an invitation to take the moment and answer the question and take the time instead of just taking it as a defiant opposition. True. Both of them got very frustrated yeah. really quickly. Lizzie, Lisette, can we call you Lizzie? Sure. Lizzie, you have three children. Yes. What are the ages of your children? I have a 14-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 9-month-old. Have you ever had an experience like this one? Like what we just heard? All the time. Even still with my 11-year-old. Why? Why do I have to do that? And sometimes I'm guilty. I'm a guilty parent to say, because I said so, can you please just do it? You know, as opposed to trying to explain to her why things need to get done. But yeah, it does happen. Have you gotten a good response from them when you say, because I said so? No, not at all. I don't. (laughs) My 11-year-old, she is a bit... uh, What's the right term to you? Stubborn? <laughs> she's quite stubborn. Okay. Yeah, she she's quite stubborn. We have so. all one of those. I was never like that. <laughs> yeah, she's quite stubborn. So she wants to know why things need to happen, when they need to happen. And she questions every single thing mm-hmm. that we're doing. I've learned that with her, I kind of have to sit down, explain things to her so that she understands Mm -hmm. what's happening because sometimes our approach of because I said so doesn't work. You bring a really good point and that is the temperament. There's different Mm -hmm. kids that have different temperaments. You know, there's some kids that are just bent towards obedience, you know, and you just say this and they just kind of follow along. Their temperament is just very easy and Mm -hmm. they submit and they're just, you know, everybody loves them. And then you've got kids that are more defiant Mm -hmm. and the approach with them, that's why as parents we have to really listen in to our children's temperament. And because I said so, it's going to work wonderfully with a child that is bent on obedience because, you know, they're just going to follow along. When you have a child that is really just more testy, that is not enough. They really do need a reason. Either you can continue to stand your ground and say, because I said so, and then just have two wills butting heads, Or you really can't just take the time and answer. And when you think about a child, they really don't know why. I mean, a lot of times Mm -hmm. we have all this information that we've gathered. They don't. And so some kids just need that more than others. Mm -hmm. Across the board, I think it's helpful. But some kids, especially when they're more stubborn, when you take the time, I have found that I have a son who is headstrong. Mm -hmm. Yet right now he's so obedient and he's pretty well molded because my husband and I have taken the time to actually sit down and explain things. So when you go with him and you say, because I said so, that doesn't work. When you actually explain to him why there's a buy-in, and he will follow through. And to your point with the different temperaments, my son, who's 14, he's a piece of cake. Yeah. He is a piece of cake. You tell him something or you ask him to do something, he's like, okay. Or, <laughs> hey, no, we're not going to do that. Okay. And that's he's That's because God knows that. we can't handle two stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different personalities. <laughs> yeah, he's fine with that. Although now that he's becoming a teenager, yeah. I get a little pushback. Yeah. But not as much as, as I do from, from my 11-year-old. Great feedback. Thank you, Lisette, for that. Dr. Alicia, gracias por eso. Thank you very much. And so we're going to go ahead and listen to the same scenario, but with Daddy responding in a very different manner. How about this one? Looks a little more challenging. I want a Johnny Swift book. What's a Johnny Swift book? You have them at school. The pictures are awesome. Well, I'll have to get some of those for you. In the meantime, these are the books we got. What's the meantime mean? The meantime means for now. 
It's an expression, as in, in the meantime, it's bedtime, and at bedtime, we read. Why? Because it's important to be able to read. Why? So you can understand the world, and figure things out for yourself, and communicate your thoughts. Why? Are you just trying to annoy me, or do you really want to talk about this? I just don't get why we have to read all the time. I know how to read well enough already. You do. You can read well enough. But it's not just about learning how to read. It's about learning by reading. You know, when you read, you get to hear how different characters think, how they make choices. You can imagine yourself in a character's shoes and see if you'd make the same choices that they do. Mm-hmm. And then you learn about yourself. You learn about who you want to be. Like, if you read about a character who speaks a, a bunch of languages, you might realize that you want to learn a new language. Or if you read about a story set in France, you realize you want to visit Paris. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I could go on, but I, I think that's kind of cool. What do you think? Mm, sure. <laughs> I'll take it. Why don't you start? Preface. Preface. It's uh, like an introduction. Preface. Most of the adventures recorded in this book really occurred. One or two were experiences of my own. The rest, those boys, those of boys who were schoolmates of mine. Okay, so now we saw Dad mm-hmm. in a very different, with very a very different. different mood, right? First, he was he was annoyed with the questioning, right? And he even asked his son, "Do you really want to know, or are you just trying to annoy me?" But then when he saw that the that the little boy did have interest in learning, why do we have to read? He got to his level, mm-hmm. try to explain to him how he can become a part of the story, or he can imagine that he's you know one of the characters, mm-hmm. etc. So he made it more about the little boy. Mm-hmm. That got him interested. That was very interesting to me to, mm-hmm. to hear. How did he do that? What's the psychology behind this, Dr. Laos? You know, in a previous podcast, we talked about honoring the autonomy of a child. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, there's a gift when you honor a person's self-image, that they are a person. Mm-hmm. And a child is a person. And so when we take the time to explain to them, we are saying, I value you. I understand that this is confusing. And I'm going to take the time to actually meet you eye to eye and coach you through it and unfold a mystery that's Mm -hmm. otherwise, you know, you just don't understand. And so when you do take the time to do that, they feel like I'm being heard, I'm being valued, Mm -hmm. um, I'm being respected as a human being. That just turns things around. There's just a different, you felt it. Mm -hmm. There's just a different sense in it. It turns things around. Instead of it being, I'm going to fight you, is... I am going to walk with you in this journey of learning. Exactly. It's a completely different attitude. And people feel it. You feel it as a, as a kid, as an adult, you feel it. And you feel that sense of being respected and honored. And then you're more willing to join Definitely. in the process. Mm-hmm. It was more like you're part of this and not you're being talked down to. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that input, doctor. And I'm going to circle back with Lisette. Earlier today during this podcast, you were talking about your personal experiences with your own children, but let's turn back the clock a little bit more when you were growing up and based on the story that we just heard, did you ever encounter something like that with mom and dad? I want to say yes. I want to say that growing up, it was you did what we say to do, right? So I know that they meant well. I think they didn't know any better at that time. So it was don't ask me questions. Let's do what we need you to do. And it's bedtime, it's bedtime, and I'm going to give you your last cup of water, and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how I remember things. Although my parents were very loving, and they did as much as possible mm-hmm. for us, 
that's how it was for us. They didn't know better. Exactly. At that time. And that's what we talked about last time when we talked about generational parenting was that we were talking about just a different culture that there is of parenting today versus back in the day. And yes, there was just an idea of parenting that said, because I said so, that's also really culturally entrenched. And today we just have a different style of parenting. It's not necessarily saying that back then it was terrible or bad. It's just that we can learn from, you know, what we did Mm -hmm. before to what we can do now. Now I I see my mother with my children and sometimes I'll say to her, like, you never did that with us. (laughs) You never, (laughs) you were never this understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Many of us had parents that felt that way. My dad was the same way with us. Was it more that we were fearful? Because he would say, Mm -hmm. you have to respect me. I'm like, I'm Mm -hmm. not sure that it was respect. I think it was more fear. And again, like you said, Lisi, they didn't know any better that could have been. And that's what my dad says in conversations that we've had. The beauty is that we can take, because there were a lot of great things that we saw in in their parenting. So now we can, Mm -hmm. I guess, pick and choose some of the strategies or the practices they had. And then also grasp some of the new ones and then kind of create a balance. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. We have to redeem what is wonderful about our parenting. Mm -hmm. I totally understand what you're saying. There's a sense of fear for disobeying the rules. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was kind of a good thing. It made us all follow the rules and not be, you know, completely crazy. There's just a fine line, right, between fear that totally creates a sense of I'm really scared. Mm -hmm because it's going to be abusive and then there's also just healthy fear that I'm going to respect the boundaries in my in my yeah. in my that my parents set. Yes. So now it's like the challenge for us as parents is how do we create that sense of respect the boundaries in our household mm-hmm. but don't be fearful of me as a parent. I don't know if you guys had this experience but for me it was the look. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So we all know the look. If they if they gave that look it was I'm just going to sit here quietly and not move because I know what that means, <laughs> you know. Or the pinch. Yeah. <laughs> just in case you didn't see the look. Yeah. It was All righty. Great feedback. They say that it takes a village to raise a child and to motivate him or her as well. Let's hear the story between a teen and his grandfather. Were you drinking alcohol with your friends? How did you know? Because since the dawn of time, when young people have too much to drink and fall asleep, their friends have too much to drink. And as you might put it, they mess with them. Every parent worth their salt knows there's only one reason you wouldn't wake up when someone's shaving you. And that's the reason you're grounded. Well, aren't you full of wisdom? (laughs) I better be. If not, what else have I got? (laughs) You shouldn't drink, you know. At your age, it'll kill your mind. Spare me. Mom and Dad yelled at me all day. I'll never do it again. Trust me. Good. You know what you should do? What? Write your parents a note. Why? I remember when I was younger than you, I tried to give myself a haircut. Wasn't the best idea. And your great-grandparents were pretty upset. So I wrote them a note. And it softened them right up. To this day, I write notes to everyone. They're effective. I thought that was just something old people did, like before there were texts. (laughs) It was the original text, and it works. Our situations are a little different, Grandpa. I'm not some eight-year-old that had to get a bus cut. (laughs) Suit yourself. It's no eyebrow off my face. (laughs) Hey, do you want the rest of my sandwich? No, thanks. Good. I was shaving it for later. I just remembered why I never visit. 
All right, so we're back, and uh, this is the scenario. The teenager got sent to his grandpa's house for getting into trouble, got a little tipsy at a party, eyebrows were shaved by friends, something very typical, high school and college. Grandpa decides to give him some advice and, of course, rubs him up a little bit with jokes. The kid isn't buying it. Why, doctor? First of all, parents, let's please teach our kids to be respectful of, of adults and grandparents. That was so disrespectful at the end, it just kind of left a bitter taste. Exactly. But oftentimes, parents will send their kids to another grandpa or an aunt or something because it's too hard. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We do want to surround our kids with other adults that are positive influence. I think that's a great thing. Mm-hmm. Why isn't the kid buying it? I think there's something very powerful about telling stories. We've all heard it before. When back in the day, when I was your age, mm-hmm. and what we do when we hear that is we roll our eyes because contextually they're going to start telling us a story maybe that they've told a few times already, <laughs> and we heard it again, and and we we just don't relate. And why don't we relate? Because it's painted in such a picturesque way that it just doesn't feel like close to what our current situation mm-hmm. is. So that kind of a storytelling it's not as helpful, but. Take it when you actually do have a story that you feel is important because it's something that happened to you and there's a core feeling that you're sharing. Mm -hmm. So that's a different type of storytelling when you go deep in your gut and you actually are vulnerable and you share, not disclosing things that are inappropriate, but you share a common experience that then is relatable. Mm -hmm. What is the situation of this kid? Well, he is obviously been made ridiculized ridiculized. that's the feeling yeah what if the grandfather would have shared a moment when he was went through a similar situation Mm -hmm. when he was ridiculized but he didn't just paint the story of you know i was made fun of i got up and then i feel better you know you're Mm -hmm. like what you know that story was really quick what if he actually said let me tell you a time when i was at school and i was bullied and they took my pants and they pulled them down and it was so embarrassing. Yeah. I didn't want to show up to school anymore. And, you know, I woke up, I had nightmares, you know, I had a really hard time and this is how I dealt with it. And you actually share the struggle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then there's actually an association between that common feeling that the kid, you know, that your son or daughter or you know, grandson is feeling, you're joining with them and then it makes more sense for their experience, that learning you want to share. Whereas you're just sharing just generic story and there's no feeling associated with your, their current situation, they're going to roll their eyes and go, okay, what's that? this is not relevant for me right now. That was back in the day and that's not, it's, it's not, it's not how it used to be, Grandpa, bye. You're right, you're right. And they won't be able to, to connect. That makes total sense. Lizzie, would you like to add anything? Have you had an experience like that with your children? Thank God I haven't had an experience where there's been drinking, and I I hope not, but I have had instances where I've had to share moments with my son and say, well, you know, I know I started this the other day, a conversation I had with him, actually, where I said, I always said as a kid, like I would tell my mom when she said when I was a kid, I would do the whole, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Right. And I said, so I know what you're thinking. I know that you're thinking oh, mom, you're going to tell me this mm-hmm. when you were a kid, but I understand what you're going through right now. And in your head, you're probably saying, I wish I was 18. I can't wait till I turn 18 so I can get out of the house. I've had those same thoughts That's when perfect. I was your age. Mm-hmm. But this is what happened. 
And this is what we need to do now to fix things. That's beautiful, is that? And what I love about that is there's an authenticity to it. Mm-hmm. And two, the next strategy is you're predicting, is what a psychologists talk about, is you're predicting the fear or the objection mm-hmm. that they're going to put out there. So when you do that, you kind of leave people unarmed. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. great. He was like, no, mom, I'm not thinking that with a little smirk on his yeah. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, I know, I know what's going on. I've been there before and I've had those same feelings. Yeah. Yeah, there's a set of experiences. We've experienced rejection. We've experienced pain. We've experienced sadness. We've experienced all sort of anger. And when we are able to identify what is the experience that, you know, your son, daughter, cousin, you know, what, what have you, experiences. And when you're able then to draw into those personal experiences and you're able to be authentic, then you join with them. Yeah. And that lesson could be so powerful yeah. when you go there. Yes, definitely. You share that moment mm-hmm. with them. It's not only important to tell the story, just like you were explaining now, but it's also the way that you tell the story and how you connect, how you evoke that emotion. Let's listen to this next scenario. You shouldn't drink, you know. At your age, it'll kill your mind. Fair me. Mom and dad yelled at me all day. I'll never do it again. Trust me. Good. You know what you should do? What? Write your parents a note. Why? Never underestimate the power of the handwritten sentiment. I remember when I was younger than you, probably eight or nine, I tried to give myself a haircut, mm. and it was not pretty. I only cut the one side, and I was using these, well, garden shears, about as dull as a piece of plastic. Well, your great-grandmother, Ida, she walks in with a bag of groceries and just drops them as soon as she sees what I was doing. <laughs> Glass bottles in the bag broken. There was jam all over the place. And I thought she was upset, but then my father got home. Ooh, I was a disgrace. What was I thinking? How can I go to school the next day like this? And what will everyone say? Sound familiar? Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much verbatim what my mom and dad just said to me. Of course it is. It's what parents say. I've said it. They're saying it now. One day, God willing, you'll say it. Anyway, I had never been in so much trouble in all my life. Years later, I found out it was the same week your great-grandfather had gotten laid off from his job at the tannery. So, that probably had something to do with their reaction. Well, obviously. And no matter what I said, they wouldn't listen. Arguing was a waste of time. They punished me. I went to my room, sat down, took out a piece of paper and pencil, and started writing. Everything I would have said if they hadn't cut me off or talk over me. Right. And I filled three pages at the age of eight, mind you. I read it over, and then I threw it away. It was too angry, but I rewrote it. Mm-hmm. This time I apologized. I told them I understood why they were mad. And I said I couldn't explain why I did what I did, but that it was just something I did. Mm -hmm. And that no matter what they decided, I love them and I thank them for being my parents. You wrote all that? Well, whatever the eight-year-old version of that is. (laughs) I probably drew a picture of them too, but that might not work in your situation. Uh, no. (laughs) The next morning, I just slipped it under their door. And they stopped punishing you? (laughs) No. (laughs) My punishment hadn't even begun. But they stopped treating me like a kid. They listened when I had things to say after that. And probably, they went a lot easier on me than they would have if I just sat in my room and sulked. Makes sense. Ever since, when something's really bothering me, or when I'm trying to make a good impression, really say thank you to someone... Or when I make a monumental mistake, I write a note. 
<laughs> Somewhere your grandmother had a drawer full of the things. Anyway, solicited or not, that's my advice. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll give it a shot. It can't make things any worse. That's my grandson. Hey, do you want the rest of my sandwich? Uh, no thanks. Good. I was shaving it for later. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know why I never visit. Thanks, Grandpa. Okay, so we triggered some smiles and, you know, some laughs as well. Uh, here we saw the same scenario, but Grandpa, and this time around was more of a friendly bully, uh, made his story compelling, memorable, personal. I felt that there was an amazing connection between the granddaddy and his grandson. Doctor, I'm looking at you right now, and what difference did this make? Well, we felt it. It exactly. made a difference. Yes, they, jo- they joined, they connected, and it's, it's the power of storytelling. Have you ever watched a movie that just went to the conclusion right away? That would be pretty boring. And yes. It would get terrible <laughs> ratings and no one would buy it would see it. What happens in movies, they take the time to really show all the terrible things that happened. The mm-hmm. feelings, the emotions, you feel it, you cry, you get angry, you get upset. And then there's a resolution at the end and you feel redeemed and you a really good movie knows how to tell a story. Mm-hmm. So in an essence, you have to, when you talk to your children or you know adults, and you want to have that joining and that connection and that shared experience... Paint a picture of what happened as if you were trying to make a movie so that they could see it like you see it, so that they could experience it like you experience. When you do that, people join, people connect. We saw it. It's a beautiful ending. And for children, he said something, Grandpa said something when he was doing, uh, he was uh, telling his story to his grandson. He said something that sparked my interest. They listened to what I had to say, he said. Mm-hmm. So just like you were saying before, that makes the other person feel that they're being heard. Mm-hmm. And now it's not going to be here. This is what you do. A, B and C. Yeah. But rather, this is how I handle it. And they feel like they can share. They can openly share. And it's OK. It can be vulnerable. And it's going to be OK. A story gives you a why. And when you have a why, then you're so motivated. This whole series is about motivation. When you have a why, it gives you purpose and you're motivated to do things. Storytelling, when you do it well, gives you a why. Mm-hmm. And so we saw it in this and then people join. That counsel is listened to way more than when we're just one, two, three. Definitely. Now, Lisette, can you recall a similar experience with your parents and one of your three kids? With my parents? No. My mother's parents were far from us, mm-hmm. and my father's parents or her, his mother, because I only had my grandmother, we were not very close. She was a little, she was very stern mm-hmm. and had her favorite grandchildren. So I was not one, unfortunately, <laughs> until the end, until later on. But I can say for my kids, actually, with my father, my son and, and my father share moments like that where my father will sit down with him and say, hey, come on, let's go in the garage and, you know, I'm going to teach you how to build something and share his experiences with him and how his father taught him how to do things. So I really appreciate that relationship that they have. They have a great relationship, Mm -hmm. which I really admire. Good stuff. And you just mentioned, you know, you didn't have a close relationship with your grandparents, now this is a great opportunity for us to, mm-hmm. as parents, see take the, the good things that we saw in that parenting, mm-hmm. the bad, and now understand 
where they were coming from and why they acted the way they did. And then that gives us the opportunity, Dr. Laos, of switching or turning things around for our children. Yeah, we learn. We learn from our parents and we just have more options. So mm -hmm. this is why we're doing this podcast and this is why we have resources out there. It's just to think through. Sometimes we just don't know. We're frustrated and we do what we the way we've been raised. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so we just want to open up other options because sometimes we get frustrated because kids do test you and they do mm -hmm. test boundaries. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, yes, you know, do. you as a parent get exhausted and you're tired. And what do you do? You do whatever the way you were yeah. raised. And so the reason why we're having this conversation and have resources out there is just to give us more options in terms of different ways of handling challenging situations with our kids. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to learn. And thank you all for sharing with us your expertise and your personal insights on The Struggle is Real, the special parenting podcast series to help us parents motivate our children. That's right. Stay tuned for our next podcast, Go for Their Passion. And remember to get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Alicia Laos and Dr. Paul Meyer at Amazon.com or visiting FamilyBridgesUSA.com. We're coming to an end. Thank you for being with us. No. This is, yeah, this was The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges. Remember to follow us on social media as Family Bridges using the hashtag The Struggle is Real. That's hashtag The Struggle is Real. Thank you once again for listening. I am Omar Ramos. And I'm Veronica Cruz. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.